Due to the graphic nature of this story, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of medical afflictions that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. On a cold winter morning in 1918, English doctor A.J. Hall made a house call in London. His new patient was a young boy who didn't have any visible illness. In fact, to Dr. Hall, there didn't seem to be anything wrong with the child at all. But the boy complained that he was constantly exhausted and he had fevers that lasted for weeks. He grew physically weaker each day. While other children ran, jumped, and played, he could hardly lift himself out of bed. With such broad symptoms, Dr. Hall couldn't make an accurate diagnosis. Within a few days of his visit, the boy's condition deteriorated quickly. He started slurring his words. And the boy wasn't the only case of this strange disease. There were many, many more. Over the next few weeks, Dr. Hall visited several other patients experiencing exhaustion and muscle weakness. Some slept for days on end. Others suffered from mania and deliriousness. Still others simply up and died without any known cause. Many patients fell into a catatonic state, unable to move or communicate. They became trapped inside their bodies. For all intents and purposes, living statues. Dr. Hall had no idea what he was dealing with, but he knew it was spreading. Soon, reports of immobile, unresponsive patients cropped up all over the world. Thousands of people became infected. This wasn't an isolated mystery illness. It was a pandemic, and there was no cure. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we examine history's most compelling mysteries. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our first episode on Encephalitis Lethargica, more commonly known as the sleeping sickness. In 1915, a pandemic of this mysterious disease swept across the globe, killing people by rendering them inactive and lethargic or leaving them in a permanent coma. This week, we'll explore how the pandemic erupted in the shadow of World War I, while top neurologists struggle to understand the disease. Next time, we'll learn how the effects of the sleeping sickness lingered and what neurologists learned about the human brain in the process. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. In the winter of 1916, World War I raged across Europe. The colonial powers enlisted millions of soldiers from all over the world to fight in the trenches. The war had devastating effects on mental health for both veterans and civilians. Soldiers returned home suffering from post-traumatic stress, depression, and anxiety. Meanwhile, European doctors of the early 20th century were just beginning to understand mental health. They learned more about the human brain than ever before and gained new tools to diagnose and treat conditions. One of the doctors at the forefront of this new science was Dr. Konstantin von Economo, a young neurologist working at a psychiatry clinic in Vienna, Austria. When the war broke out, Von Economo enlisted as a pilot for the Austrian Air Corps. But after his only brother was killed in battle in late 1916, Von Economo returned to Vienna and took a job as a psychiatric doctor. But it wasn't long before he found himself on the front lines of another deadly battle. This time, the battlefield wasn't a physical place. It was somewhere even more dangerous. The human mind. In the winter of 1917, several patients were admitted to the Vienna hospital where von Economo worked. They each suffered from the same unexplainable behavior. They kept falling asleep without warning. Some patients literally fell asleep while walking or in the middle of a sentence. Others slept for days without waking up. Most suffered from severe muscle weakness and were unable to walk or even stand up. At first, doctors believed these patients were suffering from known diseases like meningitis or multiple sclerosis. They believed this lethargy was simply an unusual symptom. But as the number of afflictions increased in Vienna, Dr. von Economo speculated they weren't suffering from a conventional disease. This was something new, and it was killing its victims at an alarming rate. Dr. Von Economo became obsessed with treating the strange illness after 40% of his patients slipped into comas and died. He struggled for months to find a diagnosis that made sense, searching through all the medical literature he could get his hands on before he came to a startling conclusion. He was dealing with something new. On April 17, 1917, von Economo presented his findings to the Vienna Psychiatric Society. He called the disease encephalitis lethargica, which translates to swelling of the brain that makes one sleepy. 
Other doctors simply called it von Economo's encephalitis. No matter the name, doctors across Europe now had a new and deadly enemy. The disease had a recognizable pattern and progression of symptoms. People got sleepy and weak, then fell into comas, and nearly half of them died. But doctors had no idea what caused encephalitis lethargica or how to treat it. Some even pushed back on von Economo's findings, suggesting it wasn't a physical illness at all. It was something much more complicated. As research expanded in the 1900s, most doctors no longer believed in outdated medical techniques like humors and miasmas. Instead, many turned to psychoanalysis. Popularized by neurologist Sigmund Freud, psychoanalysis taught that many physical ailments were caused by the subconscious mind. Essentially, some illnesses looked physical, but were actually psychological. Several doctors argued that this new sleeping sickness wasn't due to a swelling in the brain, but rather a mental condition brought on by hysteria. Von Economo completely rejected this idea. Autopsies revealed that many dead patients had inflammation in the center of their brains, specifically around the hypothalamus, strong evidence to suggest the disease was, in fact, physical. Von Economo believed the disease could be caused by a virus attacking the brain. Unfortunately, in the early 20th century, expert hypotheses about exact brain functions were educated guesses at best. MRIs and other innovations that furthered the field were still decades away. Since von Economo couldn't examine a living brain, he had to find another way to prove that the illness was physical. So he tried to spread the disease himself. Von Economo removed swollen brain tissue from patients who died of encephalitis lethargica. Then, he implanted that tissue into the brain of a live monkey. Soon after, the monkey exhibited the same lethargic symptoms, suggesting that the monkey had caught the disease from the dead tissue. This was convincing proof that the disease was physical and contagious, which meant the current world war was more deadly than anyone realized. Deep in the trenches, the soldiers were crammed together in close quarters. Body fluids and bacteria were everywhere, and they came from many different corners of the world. As distant populations came into close contact on the battlefield, they brought diseases from their home countries. Soldiers were exposed to illnesses they'd never encountered before. Eventually, the lucky ones who survived returned home and brought the diseases with them. Von Economo realized that encephalitis lethargica might be one of many new diseases coming to wreak havoc in Europe. But he had no way of knowing that those diseases would kill more people than the entire war. And the sleeping sickness was just getting started. Coming up, a new pandemic spreads around the world. Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, 
the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath. From murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. In 1917, a mysterious disease broke out in the city of Vienna. Patients complained of excessive sleepiness, muscle weakness, and lethargy. Many fell into permanent comas. 40% died. Dr. Konstantin von Economo, a young neurologist, was one of the first to identify and investigate the disease, which he called encephalitis lethargica. There had been other so-called sleeping sicknesses throughout history, but none of them matched the symptoms and complications of encephalitis lethargica. This was a new disease, with no known treatments or cures. Von Economo set out to prove that the disease was contagious and likely spread faster due to global forces intermingling on the battlefields of World War I. But just as quickly as the disease appeared in Vienna, it vanished. By mid-1917, just a few months after the first patients appeared with encephalitis lethargica, the outbreak abruptly halted. There seemed to be no new cases of the disease in Vienna. Von Economo and his colleagues didn't understand. The sudden disappearance was as mystifying as its inexplicable origins. But they had no time to speculate about what happened, because just a few months later, a new, deadly pandemic emerged. It was called the Spanish Flu. And in the course of a single year, it infected a third of the global population. Doctors put their other work on the back burner as they worked desperately to combat the influenza pandemic. But the sleeping sickness didn't actually disappear. It moved. While von Economo and other European doctors focused on the Spanish flu, encephalitis lethargica spread over a thousand miles and hit London. In early 1918, people in England started experiencing strange symptoms that were very different from the Spanish flu. They were unable to keep their eyelids open or move their arms and legs. Some were prone to falling asleep with their eyes open, making them appear dead. These patients were eerily similar to the ones in Vienna, but with one key difference. 
some suffered from acute insomnia. These patients were completely unable to sleep, even when doctors gave them powerful sedatives. By early 1919, there were over a thousand cases in London alone. Doctors desperately searched for answers and considered a number of possible explanations, from a mutation of the influenza virus to food poisoning and chemical warfare. Eventually, the English doctors realized it was encephalitis lethargica, the same disease that ravaged Vienna two years earlier. But they still had no way to fight it, and the disease was seemingly mutating to become more dangerous. The outbreak in England was even more deadly than the one in Vienna, with a death rate of nearly 50%. Despite the high death rate, the new epidemic of encephalitis lethargica still paled in comparison to the Spanish flu. Doctors were dealing with two distinct, dangerous pandemics at the same time. But since the symptoms varied from patient to patient, it was more difficult to diagnose encephalitis lethargica. So in early 1919, the disease quietly infected thousands in England and crossed the Atlantic Ocean to the United States. In early 1919, American neurologist Dr. Frederick Tilney saw patients in New York City exhibiting unusual symptoms. They suffered from extreme lethargy, slept for days on end, and were often unable to move their limbs. Dr. Tilney had heard about the mysterious European sleeping epidemic and knew he now had a problem on his hands. Just as in England, the disease in New York appeared to be mutating fast. Doctors struggled to keep track of the symptoms, which now included respiratory failure, psychosis, fever, and paralysis. Some cases came on gradually over the course of several days, while others escalated much more quickly. The sleeping sickness affected men and women equally, but the majority were under 30 years old. One patient was a young girl with no previous health problems. One day, she complained of pain in her index finger. Within a day, that pain spread up her arm until it became partly paralyzed. She flew into a rage and lashed out at her family. After a few days, she fell asleep and stayed asleep. Her muscles tightened and she became completely unresponsive. By the time Dr. Tilney diagnosed her with epidemic encephalitis, there was nothing he could do. Within a few weeks, she was dead, and her case wasn't unusual. Nearly a third of patients died soon after showing symptoms. The disease caused far more than just lethargy, so doctors decided that encephalitis lethargica was an inaccurate diagnosis. Since it caused widespread issues from breathing problems to psychosis, they called it epidemic encephalitis, and they also saw it as an opportunity. On February 4, 1919, Dr. Tilney gave a speech to the New York Neurological Society. Tilney emphasized the danger epidemic encephalitis posed to the American public, and he presented it as a chance to change history. Doctors had failed to prevent widespread polio and influenza epidemics, but they could stop this new mysterious disease. Sadly, Tilney was wrong. 
Neurologists in New York did unite to investigate the epidemic encephalitis, but they couldn't find a virus or bacteria that caused the disease, and they couldn't find a cure. All they could do was treat the symptoms. And the symptoms were becoming more erratic. Patients with epidemic encephalitis could exhibit a whole array of different symptoms before succumbing to the permanent coma. The disease seemingly mutated between Europe and the United States, and now it was mutating within the U.S. Doctors were at a loss. They couldn't understand how or why it was changing. But the sleeping sickness wasn't the only thing that was transforming. In the aftermath of World War I, the United States entered the Roaring Twenties. There was widespread optimism, economic growth, and an explosion of cultural and artistic expression. Behind all of the glitz and glamour of the 1920s, there were many infected Americans. The Spanish flu pandemic finally subsided, so there was no more mixing up of flu symptoms with those of encephalitis lethargica. But now there were other illnesses seizing the public consciousness. Throughout the 1920s, epidemic encephalitis was overshadowed by more attention-grabbing diseases like diphtheria and polio. As a result, for almost 10 years, the sleeping sickness wreaked havoc without anyone really paying attention. Like polio, it seemed encephalitis lethargica was a disease that humanity would simply have to live with. But then, in 1927, the disease suddenly disappeared. Everywhere. Without any clear explanation. New cases just stopped. Within a few months, the disease was eradicated and doctors had no idea why. The sleeping sickness had killed thousands all over the world for more than a decade, then vanished. And almost everything about it remained unknown. In 1927, New York businessman William Matheson set out to discover how many victims the sleeping sickness had claimed over the years. His interest was more than philanthropic. It was personal. He was a survivor of the disease himself. Matheson established a commission with the sole purpose of studying the disease, counting its victims, and finding a cure. They determined there were just over a million cases of epidemic encephalitis diagnosed in 14 countries between 1919 and 1928, including Canada, Algeria, and the Philippines. The death toll hovered around 50%, with nearly half a million dead. But for some encephalitis lethargica patients, there was a fate worse than death. They were left completely immobilized, prisoners of their own bodies. Coming up, the sleeping sickness leaves people frozen in place forever. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Now back to the story. The mysterious sleeping sickness called encephalitis lethargica spread across the globe between 1917 and 1927, reaching from Europe to the Americas to Africa. The disease caused swelling in the hypothalamus, the portion of the brain that regulates sleep. This inflammation caused drowsiness, muscle weakness, paralysis, and death. But the pandemic confused neurologists around the world. Even after a decade, they didn't know what caused it or how to treat it. Ultimately, the disease killed an estimated 500,000 people worldwide before disappearing in 1927. However, while new cases stopped, many who'd been infected continued to suffer for years, some for the rest of their lives. These survivors of encephalitis lethargica developed a kind of prolonged illness that caused them to lose all energy or interest in anything around them. Their eyes remained open, but it seemed their minds were asleep, as if they were living statues. This secondary illness was another mystery for doctors who still didn't understand what was happening inside the patients' brains. All they had to work with was the pattern of symptoms, which was unlike any other known disease's pattern. However, there were some similarities with a few symptoms of Parkinson's disease. This meant most of these patients were diagnosed with post-encephalitic Parkinsonism. But the complex symptoms the survivors exhibited were much more shocking and violent. In 1928, a New York City teenager and encephalitis lethargica survivor named Rosie displayed fluctuating symptoms. Her face wore a near-constant blank expression, and she experienced muscle weakness and random bursts of violence and aggression. When she calmed down and returned to her lethargic state, she had no explanation for what she'd done. Doctors diagnosed her with chronic epidemic encephalitis. It had been years since Rosie had the sleeping sickness, but nothing else explained her behavior, and her symptoms only worsened. One night, Rosie locked herself in the family bathroom and pulled out most of her teeth. Her horrified parents took her to several hospitals, trying their best to help alleviate Rosie's symptoms. One night in July, while Rosie was at Morrisania Hospital being treated for an eye infection, an attendant went into Rosie's room to check on her. She discovered the 16-year-old sitting calmly on her bed, holding her right eye between her fingers. She had gouged it out with her bare hands. But Rosie claimed that her eye had simply fallen out of her head. That night, the doctors treated her and dressed the wound, during which Rosie didn't seem at all uncomfortable. She seemed to feel no pain. Later that morning, the medical staff left Rosie alone again in her room. With another window of opportunity, she gouged out her other eye. The doctors were disturbed and confused by her self-mutilation. In the days afterwards, 
Rosie maintained that her eyes had both fallen out while she was sleeping and that she felt no pain at all. Her doctors speculated that the mysterious disease blocked the part of her brain that felt pain, but didn't know how. And they couldn't understand why Rosie mutilated herself in the first place. Months later, Rosie finally admitted what she did. She said she felt hypnotized, as if there were another force compelling her to act. Unfortunately, after this incident, there's no record of what happened to Rosie. The prognosis of post-encephalitic Parkinsonism varied wildly patient to patient. Some developed the illness immediately after surviving the sleeping sickness, while others fell ill years afterwards. And the symptoms were always different. Some were like Rosie. They exhibited violent, psychotic, or self-mutilating tendencies. Others experienced hallucinations, obsessiveness, and physical tics. Some became extremely compliant and suggestible, like they were sleepwalking through life and would do whatever they were told. But eventually, most cases progressed the same way. The disease rendered people unable to control their bodies. They became motionless and effectless. The endless sleep of chronic encephalitic patients wasn't quite a coma. They were technically conscious, but completely unresponsive. Many doctors assumed that the patients were brain-dead. But there were still reasons to hold out hope that recovery was possible. There were signs that a patient's original personality remained intact, trapped somewhere in their active psyche. Neurologists noticed that some stimuli, like a dinner bell or a fire alarm, seemed to jolt the otherwise catatonic patient into a brief moment of consciousness and alertness. For a second, they seemed aware of their surroundings and even smiled. But the moment would quickly pass, and the patient would return to their sleep as if nothing had changed. Doctors had no treatment for these catatonic patients. So they were sent to mental asylums, nursing homes, and other long-term care facilities to live out their days. Many of these survivors were children or young adults, seemingly condemned to spend decades trapped inside a body they no longer controlled. With so many long-term effects, epidemiologists and neurologists continued to study encephalitis lethargica long after the 1920s pandemic. If it ever returned, they wanted to know how to stop it. There were multiple schools of thought about the disease's origins. Some doctors believed it was caused by some sort of virus, like influenza. But there were numerous cases where only one member of a large, close-knit family came down with encephalitis lethargica. This implied that the sickness wasn't very contagious and pointed to a different cause, bacteria. Dr. E.C. Rosenau of the Mayo Foundation was convinced that the bacteria Streptococcus was the cause of encephalitis lethargica. To treat the disease, he came up with an extreme treatment. He believed that the bacteria infected teeth and gums specifically, so he removed all the patient's teeth. He hoped that getting rid of the teeth would eliminate the bacteria from the mouth and allow his patients to recover. Unfortunately, there was no evidence this procedure worked. There was a third possibility, and it was another virus, herpes. 
One of the most common forms of encephalitis was caused by herpes simplex virus, so many doctors surmised that this strange new form of encephalitis had the same cause. In the final years of the 1920s, doctors developed vaccines based on each of these three hypotheses, an unknown virus, a bacteria, and herpes. Sadly, none were successful in treating post-encephalitic Parkinsonism. To make matters worse, funding for research dwindled. William Matheson, one of the most prominent benefactors of encephalitis research and a survivor of the sickness, died in 1930. Meanwhile, the doctors who studied the encephalitis lethargica epidemic reached the end of their careers. Konstantin von Economo died in 1931, while Frederick Tilney battled health issues before dying in 1938. By the end of the 1930s, there were approximately 50,000 people in the United States suffering from chronic post-encephalitic Parkinsonism. They were confined to nursing homes and mental asylums, their disease overshadowed by two world wars, the Great Depression, and other pandemics. These survivors were written off as unreachable and helpless, even by most of the doctors caring for them. In the late 1960s, 50 years after the epidemic, a young doctor named Oliver Sacks realized that those survivors weren't helpless or brain dead. Their personalities were still alive, locked inside a frozen body. And Dr. Sachs was determined to set them free. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back next time with part two of The Sleeping Pandemic. For more information on the sleeping sickness, among the many sources we used, we found Asleep, the Forgotten Epidemic that Remains One of Medicine's Greatest Mysteries by Molly Caldwell Crosby to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Ryan Lee, with writing assistance by Andrew Messer and Connor Sampson, fact-checking by Cara Mackerline, and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. <laughs>